Hi there. Welcome to the Ottawa Lookout Pop-Up Pod. My name is Robert Hiltz. I'm the managing editor of the newsletter and your host today. I want to bring you something a little different in the lead-up to the election, more than just a newsletter. We asked multiple mayoral candidates, including all the front runners, to sit down with us and talk one-on-one about their vision for the city, what works in this town, and what's broken. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of Lookout members. Thank you to everyone who supports our journalism. Now, for the first episode, we sat down with mayoral candidate Catherine McKinney. Catherine has been a city councillor since 2014, after several years of working in the offices of both downtown and suburban councillors, as well as a stint as an advisor to one of the city's senior officials. In our conversation, we dig into Catherine's plans to build up the city's cycling infrastructure, how they'll manage the budget, whether strong mayoral powers are something they make use of if things get tougher on the council table, and how the convoy affected their view of the city. Without further ado, let's get to it. Hi, Catherine McKenney. Welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you here. Happy for that you could uh, make the time for this. Yes, of course. So I guess I want to start off on a really sort of basic question. What do you want to do as mayor? Well, you know, this city really has so much potential. And I hear from people all the time uh, that they want to see change. They want to see, you know, improvements in the city. And things like transit, getting transit working for the city again, um, you know, making it reliable and affordable, uh, certainly addressing our housing affordability, homelessness, um, you know, crisis that we're, we're facing. Of course, the climate emergency is, is key. You know, all of, all of those priorities fit into that, you know, transit, cycling, housing. And, uh, you know, just really, you know, restoring trust in City Hall. Um, you know, I think it was uh, the, the pandemic and certainly the uh, illegal occupation in last February certainly you know, eroded uh, trust in our city and some of our services. So, you know, my, uh, you know, my vision as mayor really is to, you know, uh, build a city that we can uh, all be proud of. Yeah. And the convoy is one of those interesting moments because I think it really did show to a lot of people that the city was maybe broken in ways that we hadn't realized or hadn't been able to see quite as clearly beforehand. What what did you take away from those those weeks in the winter? Well, a couple of things. Certainly that, you know, there was uh, a lack of leadership uh, amongst people who needed to step up and, and didn't. And certainly, you know, police, you know, um, the mayor wasn't wasn't present. You know, our, our local MP wasn't present. There were just so many people who I believe could have made a real change early on, calling it out, demanding that you know, trucks not be allowed into our downtown. And when they came, you know, demanding uh, a change and demanding, you know, that that uh, action was taken so that, uh, um, you know, members of the the convoy would would leave. And that that didn't happen. The other thing I took away from it was the resilience of people in the city and and the compassion of people across the city. Uh, You know, I remind people all the time, I remind people in you know, in the center town where, you know, they bore the brunt of it and, you know, 
other areas as well too but you know center town for for residents really bore the brunt but i remind people all the time that uh, you know i was receiving dozens of emails every day from people across the city who were who were concerned who you know didn't like you know were upset at what they were seeing happening in in their city we are one city after all and and people across the city really uh really um, showed that type of compassion and understanding that, uh, you know, what was happening in, in one part of their city really was having uh, an effect on on them as well. Right. And it, it was the sort of moment where, for example, the Battle of Billingsbridge, um, as mm. it's sometimes known, yeah. where um, it was, it was interesting because it's not far from where I live and I, I went to go see it and, you know, talk to some people. And it was really interesting to see how many people sort of realized that, that, okay, the city isn't necessarily doing the things we need them to do. So we need to step in ourselves. Is, mm-hmm. is that the kind of energy that um, you were able to build your campaign around? Is, is that something that, you know, you've seen people respond to, differently maybe than in 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 the past Mm -hmm. well certainly you know the battle of billings bridge as it's (laughs) called really was a a watershed moment in the in the the convoy and the occupation it really was you know up to that point i had actually you know advised um people from counter demonstrating i was always quite concerned for any you know eruption of violence in in our residential neighborhoods but the battle of billings really um gave people an opportunity to come together and to stand up together and i i think that it changed the um it had it, it changed the 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 nature of what was happening um and and psychologically it it empowered people and you know i think that people saw what could happen when you have that good collective action um and yes i i do believe that it spilled over into into this election people are looking for change uh, people are collectively, uh, you know, um, uh, saying, you know, we we want change in the city. We believe that we can have an ambitious city and an affordable city at the same time. We don't have to choose uh, one from the other. Uh, and uh, I'll just tell you from 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 my perspective. Obviously, I can only speak about my campaign, but you know, I have close to a thousand people who have volunteered on it. And I'm not sure that that would have happened um, preoccupation. That's interesting. Um, speaking of change at City Hall, it's going to be a pretty big turnover no matter mm-hmm. who wins where. There's just a lot of people aren't coming back. Um, do you think that's something that's good for City Hall? Because the last little bit has been, um, things have turned pretty rough, I think, it, mm-hmm. it seems like around the council table. Is, is, is this sort of change something that no matter how it shakes out exactly, a, a bit of turnover is, is maybe a, a nice way to reset. Well, it, it's both. It is, um, it's an opportunity for, absolutely, for new voices around the table, um, you know, coming to a council table with that many new councillors, um, considering how they want to shape their part of the city and what that means for the city overall. Uh, you know, with new ideas, with new energy, absolutely is an, is an opportunity. But it's also a challenge. And, you know, when you have that many 
uh, new counselors. Um, I can tell you from experience, it takes a couple of years as a counselor to really understand, you know, um, what you're doing and how to affect change. And, you know, so it's, you know, understand the the business lines of the city. I think we have close to 150 business lines alone, right? So, you know, just to understand all of that, how it works, the governance, et cetera. Uh, so it, it it is also a challenge. It, it also can mean that, you know, we don't, we don't move forward as quickly as, uh, as we could otherwise. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, it's, it's both and, you know, it, it's how it's managed really. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, why don't we talk to about a little bit about some of the things you'd, you'd like to do if you become mayor? Um, I think one of the sort of, uh, the big items is certainly the cycling plan to, um, to offer green bonds for a quarter billion dollars, 250 million, um, and build 25 mm-hmm. years worth of cycling infrastructure in four years. Why, why is it important to build so much um, early? And then can we kind of talk about like what a green bond is and yes, how that absolutely. works sort of so, death and financially? You know, the reason it's, it's necessary is that, you know, right now the city spends, has been spending $15 million a year uh, on approximately on, on cycling infrastructure and will continue to. There's, you can't have a modern city today without spending at least 15 million dollars a year and today 15 million dollars a year uh 15 million dollars will get you maybe 10 to 15 kilometers of, of cycling infrastructure so it's not very much you know when you think we have um you know six thousand kilometers of roadway and in this city so you know getting there you know, 10 kilometers at a time. And not that every roadway, of course, would have cycling infrastructure, but, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Stittsville just <clears throat> went through a public realm uh, process for their main street. And, you know, they decided that they wanted to see cycle tracks on, on their main street, but there's no funding. That could be 10, 10 years out, you know, before we actually see the funding. So, so there's a, there's a need for it. There's a want for it. Uh, people know we have to, you know, we want kids to be able to get to school uh, safely, get to the library, visit their friends. We have to keep them safe today. Uh, you know, if if we want more people out of traffic, um, you know, we have to get them on transit. We have to get people. We have to give people options. Um, you know, and everybody will drive at some point if they have a car or they need to. Uh, but giving people options to get, you know, to uh, to opt for different ways of of moving around. So, so this. This just means that, you know, we're spending the same $15 million. Um, we're paying it back over over 25 years. And we are, you know, putting it into um, the infrastructure in the next four. And I'll say a couple of things about that. And, you know, what makes it cost neutral? Yes, there's, you know, interest to be paid back. But a green bond is a way that people and companies, mostly pension funds, can invest in cities um, that they'll get a, a bit lower uh, return on their bond. Interest rates tend to be lower, uh, but they are, you know, investing in green infrastructure. So it's, you know, it's something that a lot of people are looking for right now when they're when they're making investments. So so it means it's, you know, there is interest. It's lower because it's uh, it's a green bond. Um, and it's it ends up being cost neutral, even though you do have interest on it, because, you know, in 20 years from now, that 15 million dollars is not going to buy you 10 to 15 
kilometers of, of cycle track, which might get you five, right? Like uh, the value of uh, the dollar, you know, com- continues to, to decrease, obviously, over time. So, so it means that we're also taking advantage of, you know, um, uh, more for your more for your money, really more uh, today, and we'll get more done, and we'll get it done in almost every community where you know we have those missing links, where we have the need for infrastructure to get people around safely. And and I guess that kind of you mentioned that one of the ways to sort of give people options is we need to improve transit. Is bringing operations of the LRT into the like into the city and taking it away from the um, the third parties. Is that something that you'd consider? Is that something you think would make things better? Yeah, it's it's one it's one piece of the overall plan that I have for for transit. Um, certainly, increasing just the operations of transit by twenty percent over the next four years will bring us back to you know about twenty eleven uh, level of service where we started to see deep cuts in 2011 and, you know, we've, we've just had low, you know, de- declining ridership ever since. Um, also, you know, uh, offering transit for free for youth 17 and under, uh, but also our LRT, which we know has not functioned in nearly uh, as, uh, as effectively as we need it to. Um, phase one, you know, over $2 billion. And, uh, you know, while it, 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 you know, it's, it's shut down, we've had a couple of derailments and, you know, it just hasn't, hasn't worked in the way that, uh, that we need it to. So we're right now in, in court with RTG RTM. And if they're found to be in default of their contract, that would give us that opportunity to bring that, uh, maintenance contract in house means we don't pay them the millions that we pay them today and we hire our own expertise our own engineers to oversee that system and to to maintain it right and that that gives us a level of control that we don't necessarily have now oh we don't have any control like we can't even look over their shoulder right like that's the i think a lot of people are surprised by that i have to tell you even even I was, you know, when when things started to go so wrong and we'd ask questions and our staff didn't have the answers because they're not in there. They're not they're not part of that that, you know, maintenance group and they have no authority to be there. So, you know, it wasn't until the second derailment where, you know, we were allowed to bring in, you know, a third party that that could oversee it. But we can't pay for that forever. We really need to. Uh, ensure that uh, we're doing what we can with our own expertise uh, to ensure that the the system is running reliably and is maintained well. Right. Um, one of the things a lot of people talk about in this city, I think, are are the the state of things generally. Like roads are a good example, but um, mm-hmm. it's you can tell going around town that we've been through an era of uh, very slim budgets of low investment in yes. all kinds of things. Yeah. How do we turn that around? But also you've promised to keep um, property tax increases to 3%. How do we, how do we fix, you know, a decade of austerity while still keeping taxes low in that way? Mm-hmm. So my plan is, is bold. It is ambitious, but it is also affordable full you know costing and and then the the plan on how it will be funded 
I'll just go back and say this, that we have had 12 years of austerity. You know, the first eight were a 2% cap, often coming in below 2%. Um, and we just can't continue with a, a 2% uh, budget. It, it, it means deep cuts. Um, at 3%, what, what I was able to do, uh, you know, I have a, a team of uh, very uh, smart economic advisors, and we were able to demonstrate how for today, because we do have high inflation today, but the Bank of Canada sees that coming down, how we're able to use our reserves. So we have excess reserves, uh, far like I think we're at about 15% uh, in our reserves. And you know, you should be around nine point five, is what the you know experts say is. So we're 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 holding too much money, essentially. Exactly, exactly, and you know, so to take some of that, like you would if you know you had savings and something came up, you know, um, you know, inflation, you know, you want to get yourself through, you don't want to uh, go without your food or clothing. So what we will do is, you know, use some of that excess reserve to cushion uh, in that inflationary difficulty that we're seeing right now. So uh, an impact that we're seeing right now. Also, you know, we have accounted for growth. You have to keep growth in your budget. It's not something you can pull out. You know, as the city grows, as more people come into the city, there's more money goes into the budget. But that money has got to be used for those extra paramedics you need, the extra recreation services, all of the extra services, garbage, you know, um, everything that's that's required to to uh, meet the needs of a, a growing population. So we've, we've accounted for growth. We've accounted for inflation. And then what we're doing is we are taking that last, um, it's about 1% really of the budget. And, you know, and, and allocating it to the priorities that we believe, that I believe uh, are needed, the investments are needed to meet needs uh, in this city. Um, and, and you know, those needs really, our budgets are about priorities. You know, we, you know, had different priorities. Our priorities today have really got to be uh, meeting the challenge of our climate emergency, uh, transit, getting people back on transit, you know, ensuring that it's reliable, um, cycling uh, infrastructure. And I'll add this about cycling infrastructure is that, you know, when you when you build uh, a cycle lane, it's an, actually an opportunity uh, to take economies of scale, really, and, and take that opportunity to uh, shave and pave that roadway as well so that you're not just going in and, you know, filling potholes. So it also gives us an opportunity to do more for to um, repair our, our roadways. And then uh, housing and homelessness, you know, with the right um, plan. I am confident that we can end chronic homelessness in the city and that we can get the, you know, 320 families that we have today living in motels, that we can get them housing, and that we can also stop people from falling into homelessness. So much of what we're doing saves us money in the long run. Uh, it's an investment up front, but saves us money and starts to to pay back after time. Okay. You, you talked a bit about priorities there and how, you know, you have to make choices. Um, where does the police budget fit into that? Because we've seen uh, in the last council term, um, the police still got an increase, but it was less than they wanted. That turned out to be fairly contentious and led to some things at the police board. But um, what, what do you see for the police budget? Is it something that uh, that you want to 
hold the line on, uh, similar to this council term, mm-hmm. cap it completely? Well, I'll say this about policing and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, look at the broader context of, of community safety and well-being. The first thing I would do as as mayor is I would actually I would take my seat at the police services board. I believe that uh, that you should, as mayor, be at the board. Um, you know there are you know when when any department, including police, come to us and ask us for an increase in funding, we have to ask questions about the you know the evidence uh, that you know what they're asking for is is required. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know we know today that you know the tasers that police use uh, in Ottawa police, as soon as the warranty is up, they give them to other police forces. Other police forces gladly take them, of course, because they're worth millions of dollars. But that's a question that has to be asked, you know, and and are there are there efficiencies uh, uh, to be found? You know, like um, we, you know, if we're able to say, um, you know, uh, fingerprinting, booking, you know, traffic. Uh, if we're able to to say offload that to commissioner or some, you know, uh, or some, you know, some other. I don't think you need to be a police officer to do booking and to do fingerprinting. So, so I think that there are some, you know, some ways that we can look at or at least ask a question. So it's not about obviously, you know, reducing the police budget, it's about ensuring that the money we're investing goes to uh, community safety and well-being. And, and, and we know that in other cities, um, it's, it's proven that if we put money into mental health responses, uh, into upstream services, especially for youth, uh, you know, recreation services, et cetera, for youth, um, victim services, when we have, you know, gun crime, we know that we can reduce the level of, of crime. And we know that, in fact, sending police to a mental health emergency is, is not fair for anyone, including police, really. It's something that's that's really asking them to do more than they're trained or able or have the resources to. Absolutely. And it's, it, and it's as a result of continually decreasing social services budget that you know, then we we turn around, we ask police to respond to social service calls. And it just, it doesn't work. They don't want to be there either, right? Like I have, you know, areas in the ward that I represent where you know, police are the only option often. You know, if it's nine o'clock at night, there's no one else to call. And it might be somebody who's having, uh, you know, um, uh, oh, like uh, who is you know having a psychotic episode or you know is is just unwell, uh, but what you know uh, calling police is is not the solution to that. We really have to be much more mindful about uh, where we put our scarce dollars in terms of of responses. Right. Um, ambulances have been a big issue um, lately, where we're getting a lot of level zero events where there aren't. Um, paramedic crews that are able to respond. Um, part of that is a problem with the healthcare system generally, where it just takes a long time for people to get in to see a doctor at the emergency room and someone needs to stay with them before they're admitted to the hospital. Do you have a plan to to fix that? Mm-hmm. So it is, it, it's more than one issue with, with paramedics, but, you know, 
we had in one year 700 level zero, 700 times where, you know, this past year where there hasn't been a paramedic available. So absolutely, it, the, the hospitals have, you know, we've got to um, come up with a solution with hospitals where we can offload patients uh, much more quickly into, into hospital care. Um, and uh, on the other hand, we have to be certain that as you know as our population grows that we're not using that that growth money um to you know to fund other areas we have to make sure that it goes into you know the increased number of paramedics that we need the you know the increased services uh, that 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 are required because of growth and paramedics is uh, is a big is a big one um you know, if you, you know, if you, you don't have enough paramedics, they're not getting out to the rural areas when you need them. They're not getting out to uh, certain areas of the city uh, quickly enough to keep people, you know, well and, and safe. Yeah, no, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, tough complication of just many things stacked on top of each other. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I, I think the last thing I want to ask you about was the um, the strong mayor powers that the province has um, inaugurated. Essentially, this council term we saw with Mayor Watson um, that he was able to build a coalition of of councillors around the table of a little more than half where he was able to pass his agenda. What happens if in the next council term, your mayor and there's a similar block of um, councillors who don't want to be quite as ambitious as, as you do and block, you know, promises that you've made? Is there is there a scenario where you previously previously said you wouldn't use the strong mayor powers to veto council, but if you are being blocked from doing what you've promised to do and you can't get around the council, would you then, you know, use this option that's been given to you? Mm-hmm. No, I don't intend to use uh, the strong mayor power. I believe this, Robert. I believe that uh, an effective mayor is a mayor that allows for discussion around the table and dissension. You know, if after after that debate, after that discussion. And it doesn't just happen around the table. We know it happens prior to anybody coming with a motion, uh, you know, works the, their, with their colleagues to see if they can build uh, support. I would do that as well, of course. Um, but that's the, you know, that is the most effective and best, you know, most democratic way of, of, of a, you know, moving um, issues through a council. You know, if you, you know, if, If you have a plan, which I do, that is built on, you know, issues that I'm hearing across the city, you know, I don't, there aren't many places where people aren't saying, you know, we need to address this climate crisis. Now we had the Directo, we've had other strong storms, we've had flooding, tornadoes. People across the city have been affected by um, climate change, and and they're you know they want us to to take it seriously, and this has been everywhere. We've had all candidates debates in every part of the city on it. Very few people uh, would argue that we don't have to um, uh, have our transit uh, more effective. Right? 
whether you take it or not, you need transit to be effective in a city, in a modern city. Uh, so that's something that I, I'm certain that all council colleagues are hearing. Um, so, you know, when you build a plan that that is, you know, that is adopted by the majority of residents, you know, it's also in uh, it's also, you know, council candidates who are hearing it as well. So do I expect that I, I would win every vote? No, absolutely. I, you know, it's, I, I don't think I don't think it's healthy that, uh, that every vote is is one at council. I think that uh, that you do, you know, there will be some dissension, there will be some losses, uh, but I am I am uh, confident that the that the platform that I've put out uh, is one that meets the needs of people across the city and uh, that will get uh, overall support for it. All right. Well, uh, Catherine McKinney, I want to thank you for all your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been really nice chatting with you. Thanks, Robert. Thanks very much. Well, there you have it. The first episode of the Lookout Pop-Up Pod. I'd like to once again thank all our Lookout members for making this show possible. And also thank once again Catherine McKenney for taking part. We've asked all the major candidates to join us to share their vision for the future of the city. Don't forget to subscribe. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it. It helps other people find the pod. We'll see you next time.